welcome to Board Game Binge. The place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Ray Weirs, who leads the team at Calliope Games. Calliope Games is the publisher of the incredibly popular Suro, the Game of the Path, along with Roll For It. Their newest title, Suro Luxury Limited Edition, is currently on Kickstarter and a sight to behold. Ray, welcome to the binge. How are you doing? Thank you, James. I, I really appreciate it and uh, appreciate being here. So, Ray, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, sure. So, I mean, there's some there's some history not just behind this game, but even uh, your company, right? Uh, can you walk us through kind of how Calliope formed and kind of the history of that and kind of how that all started? Oh, sure. So, um, Calliope is one of actually two brands. So, the name of the company is actually Compound Fun. Okay. Right? And so, Compound Fun, uh, the two brands that we had, one was Wells Expeditions, and then the other one was Calliope. And so. Uh, Wilds Expeditions was originally set up to do miniature style games, right? And we had a, a very unique system to do that. Um, the name of the game that we published was Arcane Legions. And the game actually did really well. We sold um, about 30,000 copies of the game, wow. right? Which was awesome. Um, but, you know, my history, we came from WizKids, right? And we were using... Uh, our experiences at WizKids to come up with the projections for what Arcane Legions could do. And so uh, we had projected that we were going to sell 90,000 copies, right? Uh, so okay. when you project that you're going to do 90,000, <laughs> even though everybody thought that 30,000 was great, the numbers just didn't work, right? Yeah. So, uh, but Wells Expeditions was really about uh, making more of the core hobby style games, right? Um, and they were going to be uh, expandable or collectible with deep stories behind them, right? Uh, whereas the Calliope side of it was uh, family style, all family-based games. Yeah. Um, we wanted to do uh, gateway and filler games, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, the focus was to actually grow the industry. Right. And so uh, the nice thing about this style of game is that when you have a sorrow or a roll for it, it can actually give your cash flow a steady uh, 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 injection, like an evergreen almost. Yeah. Well, I would say sorrow is an evergreen. I think yeah. roll for it's on its way. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't consider it an evergreen yet, but I, I think we're we're getting really close. I think uh, 2019 it will fit my definition of a uh, uh, of an evergreen. <laughs> yeah, of an evergreen. But we're already past 2019, right? So I guess it is. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm getting old in my. Well, know, it's the COVID, right? The past two years, yeah. where'd they go? I don't it's know. Like, it's like, what the <laughs> heck? But yeah, so you know, uh, Rollford's over 10 years old now, so I would say that wow. that's an evergreen game, right? But what I, uh, what I was saying about uh, Calliope, it was, it was really uh, the side of compound fund that would give us the ability to have a stable cash flow. Mm -hmm. Whereas the collectible side of it and the expandable side of it, 
you got your ups and downs, right? And it's all based on each release and they're very expensive to do, right? So with, uh, with Arcane Legions, um, when it didn't meet our expectations, right? We had some tough decisions to make, you know, yeah. do, we, do we move forward at all? And um, uh, I really wanted to, to do it because when we were at WizKids, one of the other things that I realized is that we were doing more than just making games. We were affecting people's lives for the better, you yeah. know? And um, I really wanted to continue that. And I thought that Calliope who had that was that perfect opportunity. And uh, because we had access to Soro, right? It was uh, what I really wanted to set the foundation of the company on, right? So mm. we actually published two games before Soro. Um, one was Ugg and the other one was God. But when we did those games, uh, we used Soro and its uh, elegance right, as a template, if you will, yeah. for the games that we wanted to publish. And so that's where, you know, Soro really is um, the, the, the foundation and the cornerstone of, of Calliope. So. Yeah. Now you had said that um, uh, we're talking uh, briefly just off air there uh, about how Suro, um, I guess when you, when WizKids kind of got sold and Suro went with WizKids, um, at some point, uh, Calliope was able to get get Cyril back, and how did that kind of flow and work? Oh, sure. So, you know, um, Cyril at WizKids was always a secondary thought. It was never their primary means of business, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they were selling boosters at the time. We were selling miniatures and booster packs, yeah. right? And it was uh, all about Heroclix, McWarrior, Mage Knight, you know, and. Each one of those releases were 350 to 500,000. Some of them were a million plus, right? Yeah. And um, the amount of work that goes into uh, marketing a game, whether it's one of those expansion packs or whether it was Soro, right? The, the return on Soro was nowhere near what it would be for one of these expansions. So yeah. the bank counters at Whiskers were basically saying, what are you guys doing? Right? Why do you even want to do this? Yeah. Right. But they weren't gamers, right? They they didn't have the passion for the game itself, and um, and so as time went, right, we were able to get it published, but it it, it kind of took a secondary position at WizKids, and once WizKids was sold, then it fell even further back, and then when it was sold again. Then it just came off the table, right? And when it came off the table, um, I, I knew it was gonna go back to uh, Tom. So I called up Tom and I said, Tom, let's take another shot at this. Only this time, this is gonna be the foundation of the company. This is gonna be our, our, our cornerstone, right? And mm -hmm. um, he said, well, okay, if you, you put it that way, I'm in. I said, okay, let's do it. You know, so um, super guy. Right. And he, you know, he trusts me and, and I, and I'm very grateful for that trust. Yeah. And we've, we've, uh, we've definitely done um, everything that we can to, to put this in the forefront. And, and I think he notices and he, he knows that, you know, so, um, and we're growing the line, right. So Soro uh, was one singular title yep. and now it's three. Right. And plus we have the luxury limited edition coming out. So the, the, um, uh... 
is it like high what's is a high seas i can't remember the name of the one with the so uh, on the seas yeah so, it, and then the other one's rise of the phoenix i think or something no, like that. Uh, phoenix rising phoenix rising. yeah so those two was it um Colopi that launched those or were I those mean, that were they acquired um from so, um so uh the seas was originally done with uh my brother-in-law jordan weissman who okay. actually was the yeah. guy that started whiskeys right but he's also uh my partner yep and uh in Calliope, uh, along with his lovely wife uh and my sister dawn right um but uh i had i was the sales guy right and I had a customer that was, again, actually happened to be in France, um, that had the license for Star Wars. Mm. And I, I called him up and I said, well, we're getting ready to do another printing of, of uh, Sorrow. How much would you like? And he's going, I don't want any. He says, but would you be willing to put a Star Wars license on the game? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. A rhetorical right? and, question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um, uh, when I told Jordan about it, you know, and he's a huge Star Wars fan, right? Yeah. He's like, oh, this is great. Let's make Sorrow more like Star Wars. Let's, mm-hmm. let's bring it back into that thing. And so um, Asteroid Escape, uh, you were dodging the asteroids, which in mm. sort of the seas is the Daikichi, right? Yeah. So it's the exact same game, right? But uh, I don't want to get into the, into the details of the story, Yeah. but uh, the license was actually pulled uh, from not only the company that we were working with, but all the companies around the world that had a Star Wars license for building board games, okay? Mm. And um, and so that product was actually never released, but it was a great game, yeah. right? And so, or like, okay, we gotta we gotta put this thing out there, right? And so um, at Gen Con, we have a very uh, loyal volunteer base, and we started talking about it, you know. And we said, okay, what what would be a good thing for this, right? And that's where sort of disease came from, right? So it was, um, it was really us uh, having a brainstorming sessions with some of our diehard fans, right? Mm. Um, and so that was uh, sort of disease, and then Phoenix Rising. Um, that game is a is a cross between two different games. One is what sort of crossroads which was not published right yeah, but that game uses the sorrow tiles and the paths come in and out of the corners there's one path that comes out in and out of each corner mm. and then one path that comes out of each side okay where sorrow has two paths coming out of each of the four sides but there's no corner access okay? right Tom really wanted to publish a Sorrow Crossroads, right? And I didn't want to, um, I, I, I didn't want to put that particular product 
in the marketplace as it was, right? Because it really changed the, some of the, the way the existing game would play, okay? But there were some real benefits to it. It allows you to get across the board much faster, right? By going mm -hmm. through the diagonals. And, um, but it also can become more confusing, right? And so I wanted to be able to solve that. And I had actually come up with um, a, a game board that allowed us to use a tile game, a tile mechanic um, with two sides on it, right? And I patented that board. And I did it for another game. It just happened to fit perfectly with Sorrel Phoenix Rising. And mm. so what we did is we took Tom's original design for Crossroads, tweaked the paths so that they would intersect with the tiles from Sorrel. Right? So now you have uh, both games intertwined with one. Okay, another. come together, yeah. Yeah, and then we changed uh, you know, with uh, Chris and uh, Chris Leader, right, and Zach Weissman, my nephew, and then uh, Ken Franklin. Um, all of us worked diligently on actually trying to figure out the best way to score the game, right? What was the objective going to be? We had this really great mechanic, yeah, right. But how are we did, how are we going to use it? You know, and um, it went through a good year and a half of uh, back and forth before we got it. You know. But it uh, it really came to, together well. So now Soros, three different games, right? Yeah. So everything is, goes back to Tom's original idea, right? Of yeah. The Soro tile, but they all have uh, different styles of gameplay, different levels of complexity, and different objectives, right? So, um, so we actually have a line, which is kind of cool. Being the uh, foundation of the new company, I imagine yeah. it's it's got to be important i guess to really ensure that what you're putting out is is of the highest quality or at the very least shows the love of the game from you as uh, as as a producer i know when my and we're talking about this just off air with my personal copy one of the things that had surprised me when i got this game was something as simple as the rice paper Right, sure. we open up. And you got this beautiful rice paper, and it, it, it's like a showpiece. And then, um, you know, the I don't know if we call them pawns, but the little the, the little stones. little stones, yeah. um, you know, they sit upright so perfectly. They they almost feel ergonomical when you pick them up. Um, it's very very smooth. The plastic, like it, there, you can tell there's a lot of care uh, that you guys yeah. put into that game. Was that a was that always there, or is that something that uh, that you guys had kind of brought in when when you did this reestablished and uh, and made this uh, kind of your your base platform. So the the idea actually came up between when we were at WizKids, right? Mm. So um, at at the time um, we were looking to put the game into the coffee shops, right? Because there was that one little trivia game that did really well in Starbucks. I don't know if you remember that. Right, trivial okay. pursuit. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> that that little game that started out there, um, and we wanted to be able to live in that space, right? And so, uh, again, now this was outside of my input at all, right? So this was all the WizKids team that was being uh, driven by uh, Dawn and Jordan, right? Um, and they're the ones that said, okay, this is how we can actually make a running uh, 
start within this different marketplace. Yeah. Right? And so it was really designed, um, the, the whole Soro theme was designed to be sold in a coffee shop atmosphere or Barnes mm. & Noble, right? Okay. And, um, and so that, that, was our, that was our thought process with it, right? Um, but Jordan is a storyteller. When, when, when you tear everything apart, right? Yeah. It comes down to the story, right? Sure. And um, and Soros no different, right? And so, you know, everything from the the way the game looked to the rice paper to the stones it was all about telling the story, the Zen story of Soros, right? Mm-hmm. And and the uh, the story of enlightenment. And so, we did everything that we possibly could to bring you into the story for this very simple abstract game, right? Yeah. And that's, that's where all the details came from. But with, with every title, with every Calliope title, you'll see that same thing. And that's something that I actually learned from Jordan. It's, it's all about the story. You get people engaged in the story first and you tell them you know, what they're doing, right? Get them engaged in that. And then they have a much more fun playing the game. Right. It's interesting you mentioned that because even our last podcast, we we're talking with Roxley Games, and um, that was the the comment on Santorini, right? When they launched yeah, Santorini, yeah. abstract game, but how can we wrap this in a theme where then it pushes beyond? It's no longer about the abstract; it's actually about kind of the the theme and the story, right. and it's kind of got the abstract mechanic, but it's it's a thematic game, so. It's cool. I mean, you, and we're going to get into the luxury limited edition here in a second, because sure. this is seriously a sight to behold when you look at the <laughs> images on this page. But I just want to say that from a personal standpoint, I absolutely love the game of Zero. It is probably one of the first um, games I purchased when uh, I got into the hobby industry. So once we got past, you know, Catan and all these kind of initial games, it was kind of one of the first of the new genre I had purchased. And I got it specifically because it was so easy to teach people. Sure. Um, you could play up to six players. So if I go to a game night and we're Actually, trying to get a eight, bunch of eight, eight, is it eight players? Oh yeah, two, four, you six, play, eight. eight. You're right, eight players. Eight players. Um, well, so I was right to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, but but just the the sheer number of players you can have in the game. Yet it doesn't go longer than you know twenty, 20 minutes, minutes, right? Yeah. So. Um, you know, we often bring this out uh, at game night because we can get new people who are just joining into the the, the board game industry, into the hobby. We can get uh, a number of people, uh, you know, around the table playing at the in the same game, and it doesn't carry on like a lot of these other games where you have larger player numbers where they can go on for hours. Right. This right. is one that's over quickly. And then, okay, it's on. Let's do it again. Or let's go on to another game. It's so, absolutely. Let's do it again. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> I want to thank you guys for that. Cause again, one of my favorite games. And I was serious when I said that, when I first reached out to you, cause uh, yeah. I absolutely oh, love you. it. So congrats on that. I do want to go through this, um, this Kickstarter page. I mean, gosh, you guys have hit 400,000 in Canadian dollars. That's the only way I can see it. Um, yeah. So congrats on that. You still got 24 hours to go. Um, like when you say, like when people talk about deluxe or, or premium, you know, you really hear people use the word luxury, but that is really how I would describe this, right? Like, God, can you walk us through like what you guys have done with this game in terms of this luxury edition? Like it is, it is crazy to me that this much kind of 
luxuriousness, I guess, could go into a, a board game, but you've managed to do it. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I mean, it, it, and it's taken a long time to do it too, right? Yeah. So originally this was uh, what was going to be the 10-year anniversary edition of Sorrel, right? And so uh, we are now eight years past that, right? And, um, or even more than that. But it, it's been, you know, the, the game's been in development for at least eight years, right? So um, we've gone through three different factories. Uh, mm -hmm. I've had factories tell me that they could do this thing, right? Yeah. And they would get to a specific point, and then all of a sudden it was like, nope, we can't do that. And they if they don't tell you that they can't do it. No, they always tell you they can. <laughs> yeah, they tell you they can. Yeah. And then when they get to a point that they can't, they stop talking to you. Yeah. You're, they just go, they just go black, right? And, and yeah. it's like, holy smokes. And so that happened to me three times. So the first two times that it happened, uh, the first time it was completely unexpected because I thought they did the hardest part first, which was getting the box card, right? I thought that was going to be the hardest yeah. thing to overcome. The first company that I worked with was able to do that, right? But then they weren't able to finish the inside of the box out, right? And I was like, well, that's not any good. Yeah, right? with the silk. Uh, so is it like a silk bag or is that like yeah, a Yeah, so there's a, silk, there's a silk bag that's in there, right? That's actually embroidered. And that's for yeah. holding the tiles because the tiles are three-dimensional. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you can't actually shuffle them. So you're going to pull them out of a drawback. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. It, but it also holds the certificate of authenticity, right? So when the game ships, uh, the certificate is there. And then the other thing about the back of the certificate, if you look at it, it uh, especially the first time you play, right? You pull all the pawns out because you want to see them. There's eight different pawns plus the totem right, which is mm -hmm. uh, the dragon and the phoenix together, right? Um, but uh, all the pawns are unique, right? They, uh, so there's four dragons, there's four phoenixes, and uh, they each have uh, different colors to them. So there's four colors in each. Um, but when you go to pull them all out and you have them all sitting on the table mm -hmm. and you go to put it back, it's like, oh, oh my gosh, where did they go? Right. <laughs> yeah. And and because the uh it's almost like a pillow pad that Got the it. pawns lay in. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. And and now it's formed for each pawn, but when you pull them out, you can't see you know the outline of that pawn in the space that it goes. Gotcha. So the back of the certificate of authenticity has the layout. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. So okay. you know, remember. You know, if, if, if you've backed the game and you're getting the game, please remember that the back of the certificate is your instructions on how to put. <laughs> your the, repack instructions. Those are your Ikea instructions yeah. <laughs> on the back, right? On, on how to get it back together. That's and they're exactly. signed and numbered. Is that also on that certificate? That, or is it on that's the box? correct. And, yeah. and so it's um, the signatures are not only myself, but it's going to be Tom McMurchie. And then uh, the artwork was done by Andy Hepworth. And mm. he just did an absolutely astounding job oh, yeah. um, and it was the first project that we worked on together and after he did it for me i asked him to be my art director because i i liked what he did so much and uh, oh, yeah. I, i'm i'm uh i'm lucky and uh blessed that he said yes right so mm -hmm. uh so andy's actually uh part of our full full team now so but uh so all three of us will actually sign that certificate of authenticity 
That's cool. And then the, so the tiles are, are they, pl is it plastic? I guess the material, right? Is it, or it, it's a resin. It's a resin. Okay. But it, it's, um, it's, it's cast by hand. Yeah. Right. Um, there, uh, there's, it, it's a printing process that overlays a temporal print. Okay. Yep. So it's a, it's a two-step process that actually makes it look like stone. And the yep. resin itself actually has uh, a brown cast to it, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at the side of the tiles, they it looks like it's a clay tile, right? Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. So, that's why I had to ask because I'm like, these kind of look like clay, right? But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but probably lighter, I guess, with uh, the resin material, well, right? And that's just, so two things, right? Um, the, the materials that we picked all the way around from the ponds to, uh, um, to the tiles, to the bamboo, um, the, the board itself, right? Yeah. We wanted it all to be beautiful, right? But at the mm -hmm. end of the day, we wanted you to play the game, <laughs> right? We just didn't want this to sit on your coffee table, right? And, and so, um, yeah, Sorrow is one of those games that somebody that is young as four years old can play the game, yeah. understand the game, and they're going to beat you at the game, right? Yeah. And you're going to go, what just happened? I got my rear end cleaned by a, a four-year-old, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it's uh, that, that, that elegance. Um, I wanted to make sure that that elegance and simplicity came through in the deluxe version, in, in this luxury version, but also that it was, it would, was durable enough to, to be utilized on a daily basis if you wanted to play every day, mm -hmm. right? And so the tiles, you can actually drop them on the ground. They're not gonna break. They're okay. not gonna chew, right? Um, they, uh, they're very, very durable. Now, if you take a hammer to them and you start beating them, <laughs> it's gonna break, right? But under normal circumstances, they're, they're, they're gonna hold up really, really well. So. The other thing I want to mention that because uh, I don't want to get, to get uh, missed is the the rule sheet is yeah. on is on a bamboo scroll. <laughs> like it's a, it is it's a, and it's actual real bamboo. Yeah, it's and crazy. It took a long time to get that printing process done. So uh, if you look at a lot of things that are printed on bamboo, what you'll notice is there's a piece of silk that overlies the the bamboo. Mm -hmm. And the printing's on the silk. It's not actually on the bamboo, right? Or it's a single color. Mm, gotcha. So getting a four-color process on the bamboo was a real trick, right? It was not an easy task. And it, it took us a long time to figure that out. Especially but, since the scroll can roll up too, right? Right. Exactly. exactly. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, this is like it's like uber premium, right? Like that's yeah. the way I can describe it. Like it's, it, it's just beautiful. I'm going to do one more shot here for the people that are watching lives. So you can actually see everything in the box. Uh, it looks, it, it looks gorgeous. Congrats on this. Well, thank you. What What's next for you guys? You guys obviously have, you know, quite the, uh, you know, the lineup uh, of games. And again, as I show the people uh, for watching live, um, there's a number of games you have in your portfolio is the plan to kind of continue along this uh, kind of this premium uh, angle 
or is that just because that's kind of the platform, the base of the company? And is there another title coming or what's kind of next for you guys? So I, I can't do another one because it took me eight years to do this one. Okay. So I can't wait another yeah. eight years to do a premium game. Sure. Um, this is a one-off, right? Uh, uh, sorry, uh, limited edition, luxury limited edition is exactly that. It's going to be very limited in number. Yeah. It's a one-time thing. If you, if you missed the Kickstarter, I'm sorry, there's no late pledges, right? You're in or you're out, right? And yeah. um, I do know that there are going to be retailers who are buying uh, a couple of copies, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's buying an exorbitant amount, sure. but I do know a couple of retailers that are buying more than one. Um, but you're going to end up paying the markup, the standard retail markup, on that because I'm not discounting it anyway, right? Yeah. It's the same price whether you buy one or if you buy 10, okay? It's the same $350. So yeah. um, uh, so this is the best opportunity. If you want the game, this is really the best time to get it, right? So what's next? Um, our, our, we're gonna go back to our roots, right? And uh, we have a game that I, um, designed many, many years ago. Um, and I've had a lot of my front designers actually touch this thing and, and uh, help me with it, right? Mm -hmm. But it's called Four Corners. Mm. Um, and the, uh, the game board that we use in Sorrow Phoenix Rising was actually designed for Four Corners, right? Okay. And um, I'm, it's, it's one of those things where I've worked on it for so long and when I first showed it, I actually showed it to Jordan at least 15 years ago. And um, he said, oh, this is a great game. We're never gonna publish it, put it on the shelf. <laughs> so I did, right? And um, now's the time for it to come back off the shelf. So uh, that's, is that that's this coming year or is that like a year out? Or so, uh, we're talking about that now, right? Nice. So uh, we, we don't have any specifics on that yet, right? Um, but I will tell you that uh, it will be the next game that we do. And mm -hmm. I'm very excited to have it out. And it'll be a, a $40 game. So it'll be back at that uh, family price point level again. And um, it'll, the, the nice thing about Four Corners, it is actually plays from uh, one to six players, right? And yeah. so you can play teams, you can play solo. And it's it's really, really cool game. So well, looking awesome. forward to getting that out. Yeah. Well, if there's anybody listening or watching uh, that wants to check out this campaign, I encourage you to check it out just to see what these guys put together. It is crazy. There's 24 hours left. So you got literally one day. If you're getting in on it, uh, simply go in the show notes. I'm going to put a link uh, directly to the Kickstarter page. Or if you want to just uh, uh, go on to Kickstarter and search it up, it's Suro, but there's a T in front of there. So it's silent. So T-S-U-R-O and, uh, and you'll find the campaign. Ray, oh man, congrats on this. You guys got to be really, really happy. Uh, I want to wish you all the best uh, in this coming year. And I hope to get you back on the podcast for your next game. You, James, anytime, buddy. All right, you take Let care. Let us know. Thank Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. 
See you next time.